Hello, I'm Michelle. That's my husband. That is true. All time. Okay, um, pray with me. Lord, will you be with us this morning? Will you be thick in our midst? And Lord, would you help us to be aware of what you are doing, that you would open our eyes to your presence and to your power. Lord, we pray against the things this morning that are clogging up anything between us and you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you show us how much you love us in this room today, this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, there are two quotes that I recently ran into that are kind of stalking me, and I want to share them with you. Um, and I say quotes loosely because I had to kind of change them to make them grammatically make any sense. So, but they're not my ideas. They're totally these other people. So I just wanted to, you to see them. So one is by this guy, Pete Gregg, and he is part of the 24-7 prayer movement. And he said this, The world is all abuzz with busy. Maybe it needs more presence, more stillness, more carriers of the deep still, more people saturated in eternity. I think the world is thirstier than it knows. Do you, oh, there it is. I'm like, where is it? Oh, it's right there. This is what happens when you stand here. You don't know what's going on. Okay. So did you catch that? The world is abuzz with busy, Right? Maybe it needs more presence, more stillness, more carriers of the deep still, more people saturated in eternity. I think the world is thirstier than it knows. What would it be like if we were people who were like that, who were saturated in eternity, who were, car who were carriers of the deep stillness that only comes from God? Okay, and then this other verse, this other quote comes from Dallas Willard, and he wrote the introduction to a book I'm reading. And listen to this. He says, For those who long to live their real life today in the constant presence and power of God, why not begin now? The door is open and the master calls. You certainly have nothing better to do. Why not begin now? The door is open and the master calls. You certainly have nothing better to do. That is actually true. But if you look at my calendar, I probably think I have a whole lot of better things to do than actually spend time alone with God. The door is open and the master calls. Why not begin now? Because that is true. You certainly have nothing better to do than to be with him. Okay, so we are, we're kicking off this new series. WW, nope. <laughs> okay, because clearly it's a spinoff of the bracelet, right? So y'all have seen these everywhere, right? The WWJD business. So this is what would Jesus do? We're doing a series called What Did Jesus Do? Because if you wanted to know, if you wanted to answer the question, what would Jesus do in this situation? You would maybe have to figure out what did he do? What kind of person was he? And do we know what he was like? And not just like, what are the things that happened in his life, but more like, what was his heart like? And what was it like to be around him? What was it like to be in his presence? Why is it that when Jesus walked around this earth, that crowds of people followed him? What is it about him that was so magnetically attractive to the people of his time? How did he bind up the brokenhearted? How did he set the captives free? How did he spend his time? What made him tick? 
What was important to him? What made Jesus who he was? What did he do? So we are going to spend some time doing that. So obviously we just had Christmas where we talked about Jesus' birth. And at Easter we're going to talk about his death. And between, between now and Easter we're going to talk about his life. So between his birth and his death, what happened? And what was he like? Who was he when he walked this earth? So this is a new series we're kicking off, and I get to start. Um, and I want to talk to you about what did Jesus do? What is the bedrock of who he was? And there's this, there's this new series of this bracelet that's running around. It's WWJD, and then it says, he would love first. So H-W-L-F. Is that right? Okay. Um, and that's what it says. And I... I I get that. I think that that's probably really true. If you have that bracelet, I think you should wear it, and maybe it will remind you to love people. But I respectfully disagree. What, what did Jesus do? What did he do first? He was with his father first. Jesus was an intimate connection with his father. What did Jesus do? He sought his father, and that is why he loved first, because the father is love. What did Jesus do? He was a man of intimate, rhythmic connection with God. He was with his father. He spent time with him in a way that was transformative. I don't think it was like, well, it looks like it's time for my quiet time. Better go to the mountain. My guess is he was like, I can't do anything else besides go to my father. I, am, like, I think he was magnetically drawn to the father. And that is what made Jesus who he was. It was that he said, this is what is most important. Like, I don't think Jesus was just like, always knew what to do. I think it was that he was so connected with God and then the Father would tell him what to do. He was showing us how to live life on this planet. What did Jesus do? He connected to the Father. Like even when you think about like, Jesus gets baptized and then he goes into the desert for 40 days, right? And the part that gets recorded in scripture, of course, is about the temptation that happens there. But like, what was he doing there for 40 days? He was connecting with the Father. He was like, I have got to be alone with him. I have got to connect to God if I'm going to go launch this ministry. And that, that is the point and the purpose of the time in the desert. And that is what Satan was upset about. Why do you think Satan's bothering to tempt him? He is trying to stop what is happening. He doesn't want Jesus to be connected to the Father. He doesn't want him to be in intimacy with God. He wants him to be alone and isolated. He doesn't want this. So Satan comes against it. The temptations are trying to stop that which is most powerful in Jesus' life, which is his connection with the Father. That's how Jesus launches his ministry, is with time alone with God. And we know from Scripture he drew away often to go be with the Father. And so what did Jesus do? And if we want to live the way Jesus lived, what should we do? We should be alone with God. We need to learn to connect with him in a way that like actually connects us with him. Not like some duty that checks some box, but go, I want to know you. Do we pursue God in a way that we go, I want to know you deeply and intimately, and that my relationship with him is different than anyone else's relationship with him? Because it's mine. Me and God need to talk because there's something that he wants me to do and it is my job to tap into that and figure that out. 
I have certainly nothing better to do than to figure out how to be intimately connected to my God. That is what is most important. And so Jesus was so good at this, of connecting with the Father, that his disciples say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? The way that John taught his disciples, will you teach us how to pray? Now, I think this is sort of funny, because they're like, you're really good at this, will you teach us how? These are Jews. They know how to pray. They pray all the time, and there's all these prayers that they pray every day, and morning, and noon, and night, and they have all of these things that they do, and they say, if you talk to a Jew, tell me your prayers during the day. They would just tell you all the prayers they pray. These disciples knew how to pray, but they watched something happening with Jesus that they were like, um, you are connecting with God in a way that we don't know how. Will you teach us? And so he does. It's Luke 11, and he teaches them what we now know as the Our Father. And then he tells them a parable. And I would like us to spend some time marinating in this parable. When he says, when they go, teach us how to pray, he goes, okay, here's the Our Father, and then here's this parable. And I'm going to read it to us a few times. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to do something called Lectio Divina. And if you know what that means, it's Latin, and it means divine reading. And all it really means, that's a fancy word for means I'm going to read it to you multiple times, and we are going to leave space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us in between. It means it is based on the idea, like monks do it, it's an old ancient practice, and it's just as the reading of Scripture and a waiting on the Lord. And a reading of Scripture and a waiting on the Lord. Sometimes I think being with God is a whole lot simpler than we think. We make it complicated. It's not complicated. God who made you knows how to talk to you. Just you just gotta let him. Okay? So we're gonna I'm gonna read this scripture and leave some space in between. I'll tell you what to do in between. Um, and I just want you to trust it. I want you to listen for the first time I read it, I want you to listen for a word or a phrase that might stick out to you. And I want you to not judge it. If you're like, oh, that's weird, just let it be weird. Just let it be what it is. Because you don't have to figure it out, but I'm just going to encourage you to trust whatever God is showing you. Okay? Um, this whole thing is based on the idea that when Hebrew says that the word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, the word of God is living and active, meaning when I read it to you, there is the life of the Spirit inside of it. So that's what we're trusting. Jesus is the word of God. He is a God who speaks. John 8 says that he who belongs to God hears what God says. He who belongs to God hears what God says. That that means if you belong to God, you are, your DNA is wired to be able to hear what he says. If you will just rest in that. So just rest in it. Okay, so this might be something that you're like, this is totally new to me and I have no idea what's going on. It's okay. Because when you're learning how to listen to God, just even just being in his presence is a win. So just be in his presence. Just rest. And God might speak something to you because he's chatty. He's the word. And just let him speak it. Just be open-handed, okay? No judgments, no stress. Let's just give it a whirl, okay? All right, so this is what we're going to do is I want you guys all to close your eyes. If you have your Bible out, it might actually be a better idea if you close it and just set it aside for a second, just so you can listen. 
Um, sometimes I've, it's just a different way. I think we're really used to reading it, but it's a different way to do it. So I will read it to you. I'm going to read it to you three times. And the first time I do it, I just want you to listen for a word or a phrase that might stick out, okay? So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to leave some silence, and then I'm going to read it. Okay, here we go. Maybe it's open up your palms. Take a deep breath. Just become present with the Holy Spirit. Just acknowledge his presence inside of you. He's around you, and he made you, and he knows how to speak to you. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you. So just listen for a word or a phrase. So then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. I'm going to read it to you again. In the silence that follows, I just want you to so listen for the word or phrase again. And then in the silence that follows, ask the Lord why that word or why that phrase. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Okay, I'm going to read it a final time. Um, this time, just kind of let yourself become a part of the story. Maybe you're a character in the story or a thing in the story, or maybe you watch the story from a certain perspective. Just let it be what it is.
And then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Just gently acknowledge with yourself what it is that the Lord has showed you and what that was like. And God, we thank you for your word and for your spirit and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something that we don't normally do in the middle of a sermon, and that is I would like you just to take one minute, and I want you to share with the person next to you what the Lord just spoke to you. So it might be the word or phrase that stuck out or something that happened when you became a part of the story, or it might be some like major aha that you just had that you were like, whoa, that was crazy. I just all of a sudden know this. Or it might just be as simple as what that was like for you. Was that hard for you? Was that peaceful? Did you just get to sit in the presence of God? What was it like? So we're just going to take a minute. So just grab a person next to you, maybe, you know, one or two, and just share. So we're just going to take for a minute. So just quickly share. And if you're alone, find some friends or, you know, grab one. Okay. All right. Come back. Hey, thanks for... um, Thanks for being brave and sharing. I don't know if that was hard. Um, sure, for some of you, that was really vulnerable. Thank you for doing that. And, you know, I think it's part of one of the ways that things we value in this church is being a church that offers. Like, we don't want to be a place where I'm like, I will just sit here and tell you all the things. Like, how do we offer and all contribute? Because we are a body, and the Lord is speaking to all of us, and we need to help each other. We need to offer what the Lord gives us. So thank you for doing that. Um, that was from Luke 11. If you want to know where we were, if you want to flip there, you can. Um, I'm going to tell you one of the things that stuck out to me, and it was the phrase, my children are with me in bed. And I think the reason that stuck out to me is because of the way when he says, we teach us how to pray, that phrase is sandwiched between some other father language. So teach us to pray. He teaches them that our father, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then, then he tells the parable that I just read you, and then it says this, which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
So when he, when he says, teach us how to pray, he does the whole thing in this, this thing of fathers and sons. When you pray, is he trying to say, when you pray, go like the beloved child. When you go and you pray, is it from the position of the beloved child? Like, in the story, when he says, my children are with me in bed, like, have you ever, parents in the room, have you ever fallen asleep with a sick child in your arms? And you're like, they're asleep, you finally fall asleep, and you're like, oh my gosh, and then they start to stir, and you're like, uh, uh-oh, like, they're gonna puke, right? You know that. You can, like, <laughs> you can feel it coming, but, like, isn't it funny when that happens, you as the parent, you can tell what they need and what is happening probably even before they do, before they're even awake. And if your sick child in their arms was like, Mom, Dad, like you would, you're right there. You are so quick to care for your child. And I think, what if it's not just that we are just the person banging on the door in prayer? Please, 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 please. What if we are actually the child right there next to the father? And then we're like, Daddy. And he's like, yeah, 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 what? What if, like, there's the guy outside banging on the door wanting bread? But what if the kid who's right next to his father was like, Daddy, I'm hungry. Then he's like, oh, yeah, Hansen, I'm right here. Yeah, I got it. He probably knows the other place where this gets said is in Matthew 6 and 7 is where you'll find our father in this dialogue. And there he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And what if we prayed from that posture? What if we prayed from the position of the beloved child? to a father who knows what we need before we ask. And is that what Jesus did? Was that his posture in prayer, that he's like, Abba, I am your beloved child. I know that you know what I need before I even ask. And I know you're right with me. And I know that you feel all of my troubles and all of, all of my worries and all of my things. I mean, there's certainly something to the guy who's banging on the door. And because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. There is clearly something to that. James 4, 2 says you don't receive because you don't ask. So we should probably start asking, right? So there's something to that. But I think there's a difference in posture between I'm banging on the door of my random neighbor, like, please help me, versus like, if my child lived down my street and he's like, oh, my in-laws just showed up, help. And I'm like, I have no food. I would be like, oh yeah, yeah, here, here, here. Because you're my child. What if we went to the door of, and knocked, going, I know, I know how much you love me. I know who I am to you. You are my father and I am your beloved child. I think that this is the way that Jesus approached God in prayer. What did Jesus do? He was intimately connected to his father. But from this position. What if we spent 2023 approaching God this way? What would happen to us if we knew who we were? knew who he said we are as his beloved, and then we went to him that way. What if we wasted time in the presence of the Lord? What if we were like, I want to know you more than I know anything else? Who would we be January 1st, 2024, if that was true? 
Who would we be as a community if that was true? What would happen to this place we live in if that was true? What if we lived the way Jesus lived? What if we did what he did? And what if what was the bedrock of who he was and how he lived in intimacy with the Father, what if that was our bedrock? What if that was what we choose, chose to do with our life? We have certainly nothing better to do than to do that. This is it. Um, I want to tell you a story. When I was 19, I worked at this church camp. I would dare call it a cheesy church camp. And I went there as a kid. I grew up going to it. And then I became a counselor when I was in college. And um, I had very recently deeply fallen in love with Jesus. I had known Jesus since I was a child. But um, as is typical, I had just gone through the hardest time of my life. And in that space, I had cried out to God. And I was like, you say you love me. Will you show me how much you love me in a way that I can understand? And he did. So out of that darkness, I found this intimacy with God that it was just kind of blowing my mind. So then I become this, this, um, this like that next summer, I'm at this camp, and what they do is every week kids just show up and they give you a crop of eight kids and you're their counselor for a week. So we'd been doing that, and you know you can never take people places you haven't been with the Lord, and, and you really only can take them places you have been, so I would just take them where I was, which is, you know, trying to learn how to really soak in the love of God. Well, so one week, I have these fifth graders. Now, if I have a specialty, it's high school kids, and I get them, and I understand how to talk to them. I had these little guys, you know, and I was like, oh gosh, what do you, how do I, how do I do this? Like, they're even so short, right? Well, anyway, um, so I was trying to teach them the best I could, and, and they were just some of the most sweet, delightful little girls, eight of them. They were so, I can still see them in my head. Um, and so I was, I was teaching them about how God loves them. And so one night we were about to go into the like, you know, evening session or whatever. And I had just taught them about how God inhabits the praises of his people. I'm like, so what that means is, is when we worship, God is there. I mean, God is always there, but when he, when we worship, we get real close to that. I just want you to look for him tonight. Will you look for him? And they're like, yeah, we'll look for him. And I was like, great. So we pray together, help us to see you. And I prayed over them, God, show us. Let each of us see how much you love us. And they were like, okay. So we go into the thing, and I remember we're, staying, we're like in this row on this bench, and we start worshiping. And I'm like, just look for him. Op- open your hands and look for him. And so they're like, and we're singing. And I remember I walked behind him, and I, just, I was praying for him. And all of a sudden, this girl's like, oh, oh, and she just is like so overwhelmed. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she turned around, and she looks at me. She goes, he's so beautiful. I didn't know. And so she's like looking at me, and she's crying. And I'm like, what is happening? So I was like, I was like well, look at him. Don't look at me. So she's like, oh, yes. So anyway, so she keeps, she keeps worshiping. We have this like sweet experience. I'm like, Lord, what is happening? And so we leave. We go to the, we finish whatever happened that night. We go back to our little cabin, and we're having some, you know, cabin time with just us. And I was like, I just want, can we just take turns praying for each other? And I'm like, let's just get around one person, and let's just, let's pray for him. And let's just see what the Lord does. And we're like, okay. So, and I, I prayed two things that night. I said, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And God, will you show us how much you love us? So we get around a girl, 
and we'd say, show her how much you love her. And I, what I saw the Lord do that night in the lives of these little girls, I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I did, there, I couldn't do what, this is not my brilliance. This is just the presence of God was just falling on these girls. And they're like, oh, he really loves me. And I'm like, yes, yes, he does. And he revealed himself to them in a way that only he could. And I remember the first girl we prayed for, she was just so overwhelmed with how much God loved her. And then she like sat down on the ground and was just weeping. And so then we were like, okay, so we wouldn't pray for somebody else. And so I was praying, we prayed over this girl, Emily. Emily had given her life to Jesus that afternoon with me. We'd sat together and she had prayed and she'd given her life to Jesus. She had this really curly hair. And we prayed over Emily. God, show her how much you love her. And the Holy Spirit, she's like, oh, gosh. And so she's weeping. And at some point here, I get real tired because I'm, like, praying for all these kids. I'm like, oh, gosh. So I, like, sit down on this bunk, and I'm just watching. These girls are, these, they're fifth graders. They're ministering to each other, praying over each other. Just show them how much you love them. Like, oh, yeah, look at this. Like, it was so beautiful. And I sit down, and I'm like, what is happening? I'm just watching the Holy Spirit move. And I see little Emily who had given her life to Jesus that day. She was sitting on her bunk, eyes closed crying, hugging something. And she goes, I didn't know. I didn't know how much you loved me. Why didn't anyone ever tell me? I didn't know. You love me so much. Just weeping. And her going, why didn't anyone ever tell me? that? I have carried that all of these years. How many kids in the world have no idea how much God loves them. How many people who live in Boulder County have no idea how much God loves them? How many of us have no idea how much God loves us? Because maybe we don't take the time to ask. Maybe we don't have the margin to get in touch with God himself an eternity. But if we did, do you think he'd meet us? In the message, um, Revelations 5, it says, we throw open our doors to God and realize at the same moment that he's already thrown open his doors to us, and we find ourselves standing where we'd always hoped we might stand, in the wide open spaces of God's grace and his glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. What happens when we throw open our doors to God and go, God, I, I want you? that he's like, oh, yes. Like, he can't wait for us to knock on that door. Like, as soon as we knock, he's like, yes, come in. I can't wait to show you how much I love you. I can't wait to show you. In John, it says that God gives the Holy Spirit without limit. Is that true? Does he give the Holy Spirit without limit to me, to you, to the world, if we would dare ask? In our verse of Luke, right at the, at the end, he says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you know how to give good gifts to your children, he sure knows how to give, give good gifts to us. But this very clearly says that the best gift we can get is the Holy Spirit himself. 
And that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, he always gives it without limit. He's like, come to me and ask, because I want to give this to you. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to move into a time of worship and communion. And um, I just want to invite you to actually pray that prayer. I would like you to pray, if it's authentic and from your heart, I would like you to pray, God, will you show me how much you love me? Will you show me in a way that I can understand and in a way that makes sense to me? Will you show me how much you love me?